Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Okay, so um, tonight what we're here to discuss is the three keys to successful relationships. And tonight we're going to discuss part two. So the first key is connection. So we talked about um, relationships being the mechanism by which we get connection with other people and connection being the way that we make sense of the world last week. So we we were talking um, about what that all relationships flow between various states of connection to disconnection. Um, and it may be that you like you're right out of connection, you're right disconnected, and which means that the relationship is not very enjoyable, and so the relationship probably breaks. Um, and but often there's a flow between the two. And so what we're looking at tonight is what is the mechanism that we can feel more connected. So just some housekeeping for some, uh, um, if for anyone who's here new, um, we this call is recorded uh, in the main room. The breakout rooms aren't recorded. Um, we don't use the video, um, so I think everyone's got their their video on. Um, but especially in the breakout rooms, if you can use your video, if it's convenient, uh, it just helps people see where you are. Um, and so that we can feel more connection. The philosophy to the group is um, we talked about the think free rebellion, meaning that life is really about, or philosophically we believe that life is really about us becoming ourselves without being swayed by dogma, other people's ideas, by emotions, or um, like being swayed by short term emotions or um, by ignorance. And so what we're really here about is to work out our own ideas um, of what's right for us. Okay, so in the breakout rooms, you were discussing what had preceded or what had caused you to feel connection. Does anyone uh, want to share or, or... any experiences or any insights they had? Okay, so um, so I was just sharing with Karim and Errol. I didn't know if Errol heard the story, but so um, where I, uh, a few years ago, I, I lived in this house which had um, uh, three three flats, and so I was out putting my bins one sort of late summer evening, and somebody came onto the property. Now I wasn't sure whether it you know it could be somebody going to flat three or something like that. So I didn't really pay attention. Um, And um, she asked me uh, about the basement flat um, because there was a sign, a a, a two-let sign. And and I said, oh, I I don't know. So I just continued. And then she kept on persisting. And I was just ignoring her because I just thought, you know, I just answered the question and continued what I was doing. Um, so I just had like one, I had quite a few things to put out. So I had to go out again and, you know, walk around the, around the bit and put the bin in. She was still there. And on the third attempt, she said something. And instantly I found my wall just dropped, you know, that barrier I had. 
And I just looked at her and I suddenly was connected. And it was such a surreal thing. Um, she just asked me whether, she just asked me whether I practiced Reiki, which is something that I do. And I don't know what made her say that, but then she just offered me a card and said, it'd be really good to connect. And, you know, if, if you're interested in Reiki and, and then we had a discussion about Reiki, but it was only since it was only when she said something that I guess I was already connected to that, that wall dropped. Mm. Um, but she was obviously still interested in, in that, basement flat, things like that. I mean, that didn't change, but she just came out with that. So I, yeah. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Yeah. So um, we talked about like there being different la la layers of the onion last week. We did, yeah. Um, and so like the, the flat downstairs is like the most superficial layer, whereas she'd gone to something a little bit deeper, hadn't she? Well, I felt she was observing me. She was still there and wasn't going away. So I was busy in my head. I was just wanting to get the put the, put the bins out. So, you know, it, it, it was a 10, 15-minute job. I had things to put out, rolling it down. It was my turn, you know. We have to share that duties, quite a few bins. So she just didn't go away. It was really just when she said that. So I, I suspect she was observing me and then said something which, which did make me connect with her, stop and look. Um, but my answers was not enough, it seemed. But, well, you know, obviously contact the letting agency. <laughs> was all I was thinking of. And it wasn't enough. So, but yeah, and it's weird because the, um, a few months later, I went to her birthday party. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you know, really connected. It was lovely sort of seeing her. Yeah. So what would you, so what, what, what do you think it was that you had something in common? Yes. But I think, yeah, there was a commonality there. Something that perhaps, yeah, that I was already connected to. Something that I was connected to that she's, I mean, for example, if she started to speak French to me, I would instantly look because it's, um, you know, my second language. And so I would, would connect with her because, it's unusual to find a French speaker sort of, you know, just, just there. So yeah, I would have probably heard the accent if, and then I would have maybe spoke to her in French and then there would have been a connection, but there was none of that. So yeah, finding something that is, that you're connected with, um, mirrored in that other person perhaps starts the connection in some way. Well, it brought my wall down because I then really turned to look at her and I hadn't before. Okay. Thank you. That's okay. Does anyone else have any other examples? Yeah, I was going to say I can relate to that quite a bit in that I think that I felt connected um, with people, the previous partners. Um, I think we've said about it before when they've shown interest in me. Um, and, you know, that interest is reciprocated. So I guess it can be on a level of connecting on, you know, interests or what have you, or, you know, digging deeper. But I think that's that's when I feel, that's when I can feel really connected to a person. 
when so when you feel understood and you feel that they're showing an interest mm, you, yeah, you feel yeah, like they think, care yeah so. i think my example is oh my goodness i tried to go very deep i hope i don't upset anybody with this one <laughs> um my best friend who i met my first week at university she is the closest thing to a sister that I have, because I have no sisters. And we've been through everything. And um, some years ago, her husband um, was found to have, was diagnosed with colon cancer. And from, and that we had known each other, all of us, the three of us from university. And um, when he got the diagnosis, they lived together in Florida. Every, every doctor's visit, everything, doing the research, we, we, all, we were all doing the cancer trips with him. Me here, but she with him, doing the research, whatever. Any new thing, any new development, doctor's visits, everything, we were going through it all all of us, the three of us. And he he went into remission and we thought, yes, it was okay. And then of course, as usual, it's always on a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, you get the bad news that it's back. Anyway, to fast forward, he was terminal and he was going, he was dying. And the, he decided that he wanted to go home from the hospital to die. He wanted to die at home. And I spent, I don't know how many hours together, the three of us in the room, me here, she there, him dying on the phone until he died. And I don't know that I can get as close as that to anybody again. Um, when he, when, it, when he drew his last breath, she says, yeah, he's gone. And the two of us were just there. The silence, the connection, we never had to say much. We were just there together. And I've never, I've never felt that deeper connection with even my husband. Sorry, I'm tearing. <laughs> yeah, but that's that. That to me was a connection that I don't know. That's that's my benchmark. Mm. But I I I think um, so many times, like you've apologized, and um, we feel that we shouldn't raise deep emotions. Um, and really, what connection is the deep emotions? Um, and it's the, like that shared experience. Um, I, I don't think you can get a deeper connection than, than sharing something like that with someone. But it also Thank makes you. it hard when you're when you, when you look at other connections, uh, meaningful connections, if you know what I mean. Um, it's kind of like okay, yeah, it's okay, but. 
because you've been you've been all the way down there. Hmm. Yeah. I think the 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 question is how can we develop those connections without tragedy you know without how can we develop them more consciously i think that's really our our quest well we had a different um part to the discussion if i may um uh, betty joined us and uh, we were talking about um feeling connected um it being a two-way street and feeling um valued feeling um a sense of openness um in in one respect um betty pointed out that uh you may have baggage that will well i was pointing out that maybe if you have baggage sometimes that prevents you from actually being receptive and being open and really connecting with somebody else and um she pointed out that sometimes if somebody is willing to work with you through your issues that that can bring about a sense of deep connection and actually um that is, that can be quite good Yeah, I, I suppose the point about somebody working with you through uh, any issues you have is that it, it's a case of them being there for you. And I think the point about uh, what Rob was just saying in, in response to Sandra's story is that when you share an emotional moment or when you need someone, I think that bonds us to someone. So I think, I mean, Rob, uh, I wonder, can we make a deep connection with someone if we don't? have some sort of strategy. In other words, if we just share good times with people, where do we have the opportunity to actually know that they are there for us and that they will be there for us when the inevitable happens in life? Because we can never say that they will be there if we don't know that, if we haven't tested that. Mm. Well, I, I think what really, what really makes a bond is when there is a, uh, some sort of tragedy. Or, and a, an opportunity for them to actually prove or show that they'll be there. Um, I think that's true. Um, I'd just like to make a point first. Um, now, we've only been here for half an hour and, and you've been in, in separate rooms. Who feels more connected to Sandra now after that story? Oh, yeah. Because um, it's sharing an experience and so I, th I think um so how do how do we know we don't know until we see it and and that's the thing about like can, a, can a terrible experience is that we can't know that someone will really be there for us until we're in it you know, people will are always going to say, yeah, I'm your friend. I'm always going to be there. I'm your partner. I'm always going to, I'm always going to love you. But until you actually pay that price, no one knows. And I think it's the, it's <clears throat> the emotions that come that bond us. It's the actual experience. It's the actual knowing that, someone is there because what what is it really when someone shares that experience it's compassion it's 
trust you you know that they're not going to hurt you you know that they're and and there's something about when we have a superficial conversation it's just words but when we have a um an experience it's um, it, it connects us more emotionally it, it affects us more so um so i sorry how, how can we do it consciously um how can, so i think we can share and joy um we can and i i, I think that, i mean this is what our this is our quest tonight is to find out how do how can we consciously create more connection um I think with Nicole, we had we touched this subject a little bit about it's actually we was talking about as the kid. We actually we not chasing the experience. We just do it. We are there as the presence, and as the adults, it's the new experience. They think forty seven percent of our adult time we are in our head. So we actually all the time be creating or we try to create our future or our past. So we're not in the presence. We're not experiencing the things. And from Sarah, Sandra's stories, I really get it that to be there, even in the silent, it's already in the presence just to be there. Don't need a word just to be there and experiencing. And so many times we just think when somebody says something, when I listen to Sandra's stories, I didn't even have to imagine, I felt it, her emotion. And that's how we get connected. I believe so. Uh, can, sorry, can I say something? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so when we was talking in our breakout room, we was I was saying about when you're on the same frequency with someone. So in this situation, like us being in this group now, Sandra sharing that with us, we now have a piece of Sandra's soul. She's bared something that, you know, she went through that really meant a lot to her. And she shared that with us. So we could have a little bit more of an understanding of, Sandra's personality and the kind of woman that she is. When we was in the breakout rooms, we was talking more about maybe that I'm really superficial because um, we was talking about how when you felt a connection with someone, what's happened just before that. And I was just thinking maybe back to like a past relationship that I've had. And when I felt connected to them, it's been when we've maybe been laughing and we've just been ourselves and we're laughing with each other because we're vibing and we're on the same frequency and we're out having fun and then I realized fun has a big factor to do with that but I was thinking more in a romantic setting like in a relationship and that's <clears throat> it really. yeah I, I I think that's that's true like that's how you know when people date um, it's yeah. because of the fun times that they connect because and, and they associate that person with that fun times um, so, and, and like from affection and um, people connect from sex 
because it's a shared experience because from an, being affectionate from um and it even so so that's yeah so there's different levels so it for me it's slightly it's slightly different though because um i know when i've been in groups i always struggle with big groups I always feel like really um uncomfortable and i was in this part of this one group and i was really uncomfortable but it was when when I let my vulnerability be shown or when I was truly seen, that's when I felt the connection. And I don't know if anyone's come across Brené Brown, but if you listen to her talk on the power of vulnerability and she says it's that that vulnerability is what drives connection. So when you let yourself be truly seen, that's when when you feel connection with people. Yeah, yeah, very true. And so if we're looking at that point, what's the opposite so if we're vulnerable we we have that connection what creates the disconnection i think when you're not being true you're not being your mm. true self and so uh brennan brown talks a lot about shame mm. and because shame shuts us up we don't talk about things because we feel shame mm. um and so we've got so in every moment we've got a choice where we can be vulnerable and connect or we can not be vulnerable the opposite which is like the response to shame and disconnect so okay so so let's sorry yeah, you touch on shame and because you mentioned brenny brown brenny brown isn't it no? yeah Brené brown. i remember um hearing the same the same was it a ted talk She's she's done a couple. Yeah, she's done at least two. Um, I remember very, yeah, I really remember when she made a distinction between shame and guilt, and I think that's quite an important distinction to make because she said feeling guilty is that you've done something wrong, while shame is to say that I am wrong. There's something wrong with me, and that really sat with me that distinction because it was only once I understood shame in that in that way that it was you know helped to unpack some some things I was going through at the time but she's absolutely brilliant no one's actually come across her she's absolutely amazing that TED talk was very powerful indeed just wanted to just make that distinction yeah. people. um you know thank you for that that that's really um a good distinction because so much of our childhood is like going to school um when you've got 30 kids in a class or 500 kids in a school you want to control them and the weapon that they use is often shame like you're a, you, you know like a teacher's stressed or a parent stressed um and it's it's not like you're doing this bad thing oh you're always like that you're always naughty why are you always being in pain and so we grow up with all this sense of shame and um so many times like we grow up into a world that's already going um and so we weren't there at the start of it and so we're joining this world that's already going trying to find the rules like this it's like a treadmill of of the world moving and we're trying to like oh, what am i supposed to do what do i do here what do i um and so what happens is, is we think there's a, a rule of what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And 
we inherently feel like I don't know, but other people and and because we we experience our world internally, but we experience other people externally. So it looks like everyone else has got it all together. And so there's all this this shame and this so much comes out in relationships like the, you know, the Facebook relationship, the Instagram relationship, where people have to make it seem like they're perfect because if they if they if they showed the reality of their relationship, it's like why does why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't you know why why is she looking at other people? All of these things mean that we don't talk honestly and openly about relationships, and that's really what this group started with. With just a place where you could talk openly and honestly about relationships. So. Um, yeah, so, so thank you for that, um, everyone. Now, well, just, hello, guys. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? You, yes, we can. Oh, hello. It's really amazing what everyone shared. I've been absolutely blown away, um, especially what Sandra said. I just want to say thank you to Sandra. It's been just, I've basically been in tears. Um, I, w- I wasn't able to speak because that just, because I, I've got um, a very similar experience. So when I was listening to Sandra, she took me through my own experience again. And it was just, I just want to say thank you. Um, on a lighter note, what I was trying to say earlier, but my um, phone wasn't working, was that um, apple crumble connects me to people when someone makes a nice apple crumble. Well, and even even we we've joked now three episodes, and I think it's it's Errol that's to blame for it all. Um, if if we if we have to have an apple crumble addiction recovery group, I'm blaming Ira. Um, and because we've had that joke about three weeks now, um, th- that's there's a level of connection there. See, I, I, brownies. I'm. I'm not. I'm not all that gone. If you're going to go millionaire shortbread or really brownies are the one, especially hot with a bit of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, cho- cho- oh, look. <laughs> do chocolate chip cookies count? Or not really. I, I had one today. My daughter made some. Oh, lovely! Nice. All, jokes, all jokes aside, though, food um really does connect people like more than anything else because I've. At forest school, right, I'm, like, building up the fire and getting all the food ready. And the kids are all sat round, like, with the fire obviously being its central point. And um, it's like it really bonds everyone, all the food cooking and all the smells and everyone helping each other. It's, like, um, very tribal, very tribal, which I think Mm. that is really missing in society at the moment. It's a shared purpose, I suppose. Yeah, and, and I think it's also oh, like yeah. the, the the actual an actual campfire, because that's where everyone gathered, and there's a natural gathering point. Whereas now we've got Facebook and we've got Instagram, mm-hmm. but that they bring their own difficulties. I've, I've got a charcoal barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I, I, I had I had it on I had it on Saturday, uh, so. And funny enough, it's exactly what Sarah said. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So I, I had shish. I had also some stuff. Um, and I had the kids round. So my kids came round from their mums, and uh, 
Yeah, and they were helping me cook it because I was sort of going in and out and doing things. So they were just I'm not even turning the stuff on the barbecue while I. And uh, it's a shared experience. <laughs> what? It's true. One flock's down is over. It's what? all round barrels for uh, for apple crumble and barbecue. Lovely. I'll bring, I'll bring the jerk sauce. Yeah. No problem. You do that. You do that. Yeah, you should. We're going to need it, Sandra. We're going to need oh, yes. it. yes. And the bite from Jiren, if you're 70 over proof. <laughs> Although I, I, I think it, we should be in, in Sandra's background. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. A party on the beach. Yeah. yeah. You can party anytime. Nice. Okay, so so we've seen different examples and different shades of connection. So what is so now we're looking at what is exactly the mechanism of connection? So is it emotions? Uh, is that Betty? Yeah. Yeah. So emotion, your emotions. Okay. So any any other thoughts of Openness. You have to be open up. Mm. Otherwise, you can't. You, you, there's no way you can connect properly. Vulnerability. Love. Empathy. These are all good ones, but they weren't the ones that I I, I come up with. What's the question again? No, don't fight, Ron. So, what is the mechanism? Or the mechanism. from which we, we connect. Uh, I would have thought... Communication. Uh, Communication. Communication. So, Receptiveness. Sorry? You have to be receptive. receptive. Yes, yeah, so, so communication. So I think it, I, communication is how we share experience. But communication isn't the mechanism. Because communication is we do consciously, unconsciously. There's non-verbal communication, there's visual communication, written mm. communication, verbal communication. So for me, the mechanism, and, and I do think it's about emotions, but I think the mechanism of how we connect is conversation. Oh. Because if we look at how we, how someone, um, if you think of the great works of art, so whether it's a book, whether it's a film, whether it's a piece of art, uh, music, um, any of these things that really move people, really connect people, it's someone has encapsulated their experience in a song, in a book, in a story, in a film, in a piece of art that connects the, the emotions. But conversation is the personalised version of that. So... What about if you can't talk? I, 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 you know, what about if someone hasn't got the ability to talk, but um, you can still converse, can't you, with somebody that hasn't got language or you speak a different language? Yes, I, yeah, I mean, we speak in different languages from different, you know, cultures and, and different backgrounds. Um, so I think conversation is the mechanism, but I think like even people like Hel Helen Keller um, were able to what they had to do was find a different form of communication. But where, where for me, conversation is more um, 
it's more conscious, it's more um, deliberate because um, communication is what we do anyway. And communication is we might be saying one thing, we might mean something else. And all of that's going to come out in our verbal and nonverbal um, communication. Whereas a conversation means that we're engaged. It means we're, we're engaged in that conversation and we're working to develop the, the different layers. So um, but Rob, you have to be honest in that conversation. The filters have to, you have to remove the filters yeah. um, on both sides. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can have conversation that doesn't connect because of, because of that reason. But the, the, the way that we can consciously connect is from conscious, open, honest conversations. I so, a little bit disagree with that because it's literally what I feel. It's only 7% of the communication. It goes through the words, through the voice. The rest of the communication, it goes through the body. It's non-verbal. So when you look at the eyes, when you look at the body language, when you look at the tone, when you feel a little bit the person, that's actually give you so much back than just a word. Um, so, yeah, so I know, I know that that research, Bird Whistle, wasn't it? Um, which was that... So there, there's communication. Now, um, I mean, first of all, the, 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 the research is widely misquoted. Um, but I think... What what the point I'm trying to get at is that conversation is the way that we consciously communicate. So I think communicate conversation is the art of communication between people. So, and and it may obviously we all have different words, and um, so you, you know everyone's going to see it in their own way. Um, but that's that's my. Um, the reason why I say uh, conversation. Can, can I say, is I, I that don't, I don't relationship think, as well? Sorry? I don't agree with that at all. Sorry. Can I, uh, yeah, go for it. Go. Some, doesn't that kill a relationship as well? Certain conversations you have with somebody and then they reveal what's really going on and then that can kill a relationship, can't it? Um... The same way, way you can keep it going. The same way you can keep it going with good communication, the relationship. Um, at the same with good conversations, but then you can have conversations, and later on down the line, by the person talking a lot, you can find out more about them because they talk a lot, and then you start, and they might give stuff away, and then you realise that. Well, in my in my case, anyway, the, the communication has come to an end. Yeah, um, but, I'm not putting it but down. Isn't, them I, off. Yeah, but if you didn't have that conversation, wouldn't the relationship yeah. end sooner or later when you found that out about them anyway? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so what, about, what about 
when the action, of the, the words, for some people aren't necessarily good at words, and the actions say something very different than the words. And I, I take notice of the actions, not the words. I definitely agree. And I think that's where, um, I think that's really what Janice is talking about, is that when you say one thing and your body says something else, that um, that communication tells you more. I think that's what you meant. Yes, yes. Yeah. Please. And so and not just not just about nonverbal behaviour. I'm on about conscious action because you you hmm. said you made the distinction between conscious conversation and unconscious conversation. But I'm on about conscious action. So I'll give you an example. I know somebody who's really puts their foot in it all the time, says the wrong thing at the wrong time, but their actions are so pure, and I take note of their action, they're a really nice person, but they get their words wrong all the time, but they don't mean it at all. Um, yes, and, and I think that is... So communication is the big, is the big thing, and communication all the time, whether you intend to or not you're you're sending out signals now if you have a conversation and you're honest and you're earnestly engaged in that conversation and you're not trying to mislead anyone you're genuinely being honest then your non-verbal communication is going to line up with the community with the um with the words that you're saying and Yes, it's true that um, we we can see a lot more. Like words are very limited, and I, and I think that's what the, you know the study um, Janice was talking about shows that we can get a lot from from the sense of person from the sense of someone. Um, and it's not always like we've we've discussed here that that the the difference between words can you know we can argue about words but we actually mean the same thing yeah i think i think to get quite deep following on from what people have shared today which is beautiful um it's a soul connection there's something beyond the words and the actions called soul and i believe in the soul not everyone believes in the soul but you, um, you, I think, I, I think if words elicit a response in you, then that is part and parcel of having an effective conversation. I, I'm not sure if that's what you're getting at, Rob, in, 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 in one respect, that the conversation, the words will get a response, in the, elicit a response in the other person. And based on that, and based on that response, they will um, they will continue the conversation um, to keep that going. Um, because you can have a conversation where it's just bland words. There is no connection. It is just um, you know, res question, response, or whatever it is, statement and response. But it's not eliciting any any emotion in you. There's no. It's not um, enabling any connection to develop or anything. Hmm. Not deepening any relationship. A conversation isn't just the words. A conversation is 
all the other things because you can say the wrong words but if you if someone can tell like if you're genuinely engaged in the conversation you, it's not just the words but it's the whole like the mannerisms and it's the actions and it's all tallying up with what they've done before and what you know of the person so the conversation isn't just the words but the there if you look at a piece of art we you know like someone will paint with a, a paintbrush um and then they'll I don't know anything about art, but they'll draw or, or whatever. They'll use different tools. And in the same way, we use words in the best way we can. But it, it is also the nonverbal. It is also the um, the other stuff that um, we get a sense of. But And I think what, you know, from what everyone shared, it, it's about presence really, isn't it? And a conversation is about the presence. So, so where communication can be, and, and again, this is words and, and everyone can have their own definition. But for me, a conversation is more deliberate. It's more focused. It's more personal than communication. But what is more deliberate, the fact that you're deliberately being present or that you're deliberately trying to communicate a message? In other words, if I'm being present and the person I'm having the conversation with and I'm perhaps attempting to connect with, isn't present or they're not open and receptive, then I suppose it won't make an impact on them. So the point is that you should be present and then try and connect with someone who is also present. So we could say the mechanism then isn't the conversation, but the presence. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I. But you can convey that presence with communication or with conversation. Yeah. It's, it's, but also your conversation needs to be bounded. Um, there has to be a context to it. And um, that, to me, includes uh, awareness of what um, the boundaries are with the person that you're having the conversation with. In other words, if you want to have an effective conversation with somebody, you must be aware of um, trigger points, negative um, uh, what can trigger negative responses or um, derail the conversation? Because there are some people who just don't, they're, they're just not respectful of issues that you might find uncomfortable or that can derail your response to, to what they're saying to you. So I think you need to be sensitive to the other person to have an effective conversation with them. Okay, um, so we, every, every, everyone's um, kind of brought up because my ne the, the, the next topic of the breakout rooms was, was going to be discussing bad conversations. <laughs> um, and okay, so, so this seems like a good time. So if we can focus on what are bad conversations, so we've got um like lack of presence um but so let so we'll break out um and the focus there is to think about what you know in times in your personal experience in 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 those times when you've had negative conversations or conversations that didn't connect you what was the you know like what why 
when you've had negative conversations, what? Um, yeah, well, what has made them negative? Oh. Well, obviously, we talked about a lot. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, I think the bad conversation right, or the uh, the lack of contact for us was mainly around. Um, yeah. The other person not being present with you. I mean, we talked about it in many different forms. Uh, it could be that you are um, expressing something, and the other person has got their nose buried in their nice. mobile phone and half listening to you. Okay. It could be that you are in need of help with something. I mean, it could be anything from something simple to something more enormous. You know, you're, oh, this is about to fall down. And the other person says, yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine, you know, just goes on and doesn't help. Worse to something more fundamental. The point is that know. all these things, I think, cause, and I know we talked about this before, emotional bank account, it causes withdrawals. Um, and the more withdrawals you have from your emotional bank account, then that starts building up a profile that the other person is not really prepared to invest in you as a person. They don't talk, they don't listen to you, they don't help you, they're not there with you. Um, and that connection is then, she uh, even if there is an emotional attachment, that starts getting dented with every one of these things. And I think you can uh, repair that with the opposite know, of this thing, you know? Um, you're really sort of down and the other person comes down, comforts you, cup of tea, whatever it is. Um, and, and so Dumb. it's, I think it is showing interest and respect for the other person in that way, in the in making deposits in their emotional bank account. Um, if you don't, and you know, I was, um, I guess I was boring my thing with, with my, with my, uh, relationship issues because I've got tons of these uh, examples I can give out but, um, uh, where uh, I felt that you know I wasn't backed up or uh, I did things but uh, it just wasn't received yeah, so I think I think lack of, lack of connection just occurs because just Same. the other person is not present with you in lots of different many ways well, I can give a specific examples if you want, but... One more Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that gets to to the heart of it, really. We can talk about, and we thought, it's sometimes it's the communication, or actually the person, what we said, it's actually, we are not good with asking help as the humans. We're not good with asking for help? Yes. Quite often we just talk, but we're not seeing what actually we're looking for the help. We're not seeing we just want us to be listened now. We don't think we're searching for some answers. Why do you think that is? Because inside, somebody was saying this once, you don't know what you don't know. If you can't explain, you don't know. 
And I think that's so true because what our instinct inside want and what our brain cautionly want, it's not, a, not matching sometimes. And we think the person is lying, but actually that's a bad label. It's actually, it's not lying. Just the person doesn't aware about what he want and what his soul or instinct want. It's not matching. So it's forcing something what actually he did not really desire for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they don't really know what they want. Um, and so, yeah, so they're not aware, they don't have the awareness to ask for what they want. Um, and do you think some of it is also, we have an expectation that everyone else should understand us? Might be that simple the reason, but also what I realize quite often, we think the person is like that, but actually what we do in, it's actually we projecting out and we think, oh, the person get called on me, but actually you start to be called first. And that's why the other person mirroring back for you and you think, it's the person getting called on you, but actually you start be called on the person. So it's coming back to you. So bothering you and you think it's bothering another person, but actually it's inside of you bothering that. Mm. So, okay. So, yeah. So, um, it's like people often, so I think people have an inner conflict that plays out in external situations. Um, and so, so, so I'm, I'm trying to relate what you're saying to in, in a specific example. So, so say like a couple um, and one's expecting this response and they're not getting this response and they go like, well, they're not, he's not, um, he's not caring. I'm going to pull away, and, I, and I'm going to pull away, and they, so they both pull away. It's it's not being clear about what we want. It's like Nicole so, was describing. Actually, it's much easier if he's using the Nicole uh, situation. Sometimes it's asking the partner, "How are you?" But actually, what the person want to ask the partner back, "How are you?" What it's my issues. But we're asking in a polite way, first to ask the person. But actually, what's better, it's ourselves. We want to say something. We want to ask help, but we're not asking help. Mm. How are you? Fine. Oh, that's good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's our common problem now as the humans. How many times? Oh, how are you? How are you? How are you? Oh, yeah, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and that's not true. So is politeness and etiquette the enemy of good conversation or good communication? Yeah, because we're not watching what actually, how the person saying the things, we're watching the information what it's saying, but we're not processing with the emotion. We're only taking just the words. So that's why I'm seeing 7% yes. of communication that that's nothing. That communication, it's not even close when you watch how the person saying the tone 
it's actually when you get to the six emotions, you know, it's like when you're listening, when you can smell it, when you can feel the touch. So with all that sense, you connected the person. So that kind of goes back to what er Errol said about presence, isn't it? Yes, yes. It is. It's, it's like yeah. it's, it's the presence of... I was, I was going to say that uh, if somebody, if you say to someone, how are you? Uh, and you treat it no different to when you bump into someone on the street, oh, I'm sorry about that. Does it actually mean you're extremely sorry, you're going to go home and flack oh, really? yourself 50 times? No, it doesn't mean that. I mean, it's just, oh, I'm sorry, you know, just get out of my way. Uh, so if you're going to treat it that way, especially in a relationship, then you, perhaps you won't be in the relationship anyway. You get me one um, But when you ask, how are you, the mm -hmm. other person, you should be interested in how they really are. Um, you don't just say, how are you? And if the other person kind of says to you, yeah, I'm all right, then it's straight away, you know, there's something wrong. You know, you go, come on, all right, what's wrong? <laughs> because you don't just say, yeah, I'm all right. Uh, so, it's, and you're right in that, are you listening emphatically? Because there's a difference to just listening and then listening emphatically. Listening emphatically requires you to understand the emotional status of the person as well when they talk to you, not just the words. And uh, so, so, if you're not going to listen that way, then perhaps uh, that disconnection is going to start straight away, to be honest. And so, what stops us from the listening? What stops us from having the presence? Not caring. No. So let, let's go a little bit more than not caring. So why doesn't someone care? Sometimes people are caught up in their own little world. They are too busy with whatever is in front of them. And they don't even realize that they're ignoring what's in front of them. They're just too busy wrapped up in what they're doing. Well, I suppose there's only so much we can care. There's only so much we can be present. Mm. Um, so I, I think, like, to have a real proper conversation, a real really communicate with someone, it is an investment. Yeah. And... When you look at people on dating sites, um, nobody really has conversations because all they're looking for is the yes to what they want. Mm. This ticks my boxes. That's yes. I'll, I'll invest with them. Um, and so it's superficial. Um, and people at work have, they've got, I've got my agenda. I've got this. I've got, you know, like I've got my concerns. You know, my boss is, is after this. Um, I've got, you know, this problem with this person. So our minds are scattered. So it's hard to be present. So I think conversation is we can only have so many. Mm. Um, and so so we have to, like, either create time and space emotional space or limit who we have the conversations with yeah there's the issue of feedback too 
in that um, in a conversation, your reaction to someone is 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 fed by their response. And sometimes you can become quite, um, I don't want to use the word angry, exasperated maybe that the what you're trying to get it be to resolve or to um, understand, you feel as though you are doing 80% of that and the other person is passive just taking it in and not really being actively involved. And so you feel like you're banging your head against a, a wall because all of the effort is coming from you. You're talking, you're explaining, you're trying to connect. And it's like, yeah, you can talk and whatever. And I want you to talk, but I'm not doing anything. You can't fix anything like that. You can't make progress that way. And so you become frustrated, angry, and that starts to come out in the conversation or in what you're saying. So how do you get out of that vicious um, cycle? Because you can't force somebody to become active and participate if they don't want to. So, I think if you've invested with somebody, if you've invested a lot and you're just going for a rough patch they're, and they're still love there, even though they might not be listening to you and doing what you want and it's going in one ear and out of the other, it doesn't still mean that the relationship is dead. It, some marriages go through rough patches and they come out of it. What if it's opposite for that, Sandra? Let me add, like the person talking too much. So it feels like I'm doing the 80% and the other are not communicating. But actually what's happening, it's might be the opposite. The other person doesn't get enough time to express itself or just unable to express itself with me, example, or just simply having a really tough time and unable to communicate he need help now or to proud to actually asking help because he think he's right and i think our biggest problem is the proudness in this level so it can be just always one problem. It can be a lot of problem. And that's how Nicole was really nicely described it, is the distraction. Because we're thinking about so many things in one second. And our brain, it's not function like that. It should not be. You can't be in the present when you're thinking and when you're speaking as well. Or you try to connect to the person. So, so really, um, we talked about levels of connection, didn't we, last week? Everyone who's here, we talked about the different levels of connection. And we talked about some people will only let you connect so far. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where pride, fear, um, all of these things are the barriers to the levels of connection. So when when you know when there's a pride or when you when you don't want to be vulnerable, when you don't want you feel ashamed about something, so you don't want someone to know about it, that 
is the level at which that that pride is stopping you from connecting. I think the um, like that the, the how are you, um, you know, like the polite example is the level where you don't want to invest. It's it's kind of like this. There's these polite rituals that we go through, and if you've done that, then you've ticked that box, and yeah, that's okay. Um, but you haven't actually had to invest anything in that. Whereas connection really comes with the presence of investing your attention and energy. Creating boundaries about what you can discuss safely. Hmm. And as a result of that, certain topics become uh, put away, not to be touched. And you create a safe set of, I've done it. So hmm. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking from experience. I've done it. I can talk about politics, Mr. Trump, et cetera, et cetera, everything. I mean, going to Mars, you name it. I'll talk. Those are safe. But anything to do with me um, or whatever, that's personal, whatever, or connected with the family or it's just out of, out of bounds. Hmm. And so... Um, you can find yourself going through on a daily basis. People on the outside would look at you and say, oh, what a lovely couple. They're always talking and having these animated conversations. But you could be having it with John down the road as well or because these are these aren't um, personal issues that you're talking about. They don't impact you. Any They're intellectual conversations. Mm. And, so, and, Rob, when, when you and many oh, and there are couples who avoid do that kind of avoidance, and we do all of the ritualistic things that families do or couples do. You know, the, if you are into church, you go. You know, there's church day, there is supermarket day, there is the family things and whatever. And so you keep going and you function and you do the, you say things, whether they are really. Um, but the, the things themselves don't really have any personal meaning. Um, yeah, I, I can I can really relate to that because, like my my experiences of growing up was that I didn't want to connect with many people, um, and so I realised I was um, very like I had these automatic. Um, and even now, like you know, this is triggers. Someone says, "How are you?" Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Um, and there's all these things, and you realise that you go realise that you're closing down a conversation. And I realised that I had these set things because, for me, in like my whole story of of growing up, that it, it didn't, it wasn't safe to reveal who you were. Um, and so, like that politeness let you get the conversation without ever anyone ever getting in. But there's the other side of that coin wherein people don't really want to hear how you are. So after a while, you stop telling them how you are because they're really not interested. How are you? Oh, boy, I've really had a bad day. And it's, and they're gone. They don't want to hear. Yeah. Just a a question. It's just a statement. (laughs) It's not really a a question into your (laughs) well-being. Yeah. 
And it, it, it's you know because... It, oh, sorry. You know when you say it's about whether they have the willingness to invest or not, is that not itself a communication of how much they care? Because if they're not investing their time or energy, that itself is communicating that they, they don't actually want to have that close relationship, is it not? Yes. Um, or not at that time, or they don't feel comfortable at that time. Because it, it, it can be, um, uh, I think as Sarah said, you, you know, it, it's not, like one conversation doesn't, doesn't make a relationship. A pattern makes a relationship, you know, with, it, it's, it's the pattern of behaviour. It may just be like someone's tired. No, I, 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 don't, I can't, you know, like I can't have that conversation now. Or it can be like I don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, it's a social event. Um, oh, let's not have the conversation here. But what ultimately what they're investing is their presence then, isn't it? Yeah. I Well, I think if you look at connection, it is emotion, presence, human like we have an experience of life and you can read a book and you can get someone else's perspective and share their experience or a conversation is the way that we do it one-to-one that you can learn someone's feel someone's experience, how they perceive the world from that conversation. Um, so it's the point then that if somebody isn't present and they're not willing to invest their, their energy uh, emotion, it's either because they're not able to, and perhaps they're, they're just not mentally able, or they're just not interested. When you say not mentally able, what, what do you mean? You like Well, they might be mentally uh, distracted, they might be ill, all sorts of reasons. Yeah, but wouldn't you have already invested with that person to the point where you you know they value you, you know that person, so you know that right, they're tired, they've had a busy day at work. It's not like in the early stages of you building a relationship, but if that person's not investing and they've got £20 to spend and they're spending it everywhere else and then coming to you and only spending a pound with you because they've spent it all everywhere else... You're going to know that that's you that they don't value that investment. They don't value that relationship with you, unless if you've been with someone a long time, then you're going to know the difference. It, um, yeah, you, you can't take one instance, but you can take a pattern. You can take a pattern of, um, and it may be that someone you've been in a relationship with someone for a couple of years and they, they had that and now they no longer because it's dynamic. How they feel changes, their priorities change. And so they might not be w- willing to invest anymore. You know, people in the beginning of a relationship are quite happy to invest a lot. Sometimes later on, um, you know, like I'm, I'm not interested anymore. Um, or they've reached a level of connection that they're happy at. So I think we're we're really looking at um, the willingness to be present, the willingness, the the caring, interest, and emotional uh, energy and attention, 
investment, yeah. Um, so what, what's the barrier to that? So let, let's focus this now more on relationships because we what we've talked about in general conversation is um, like we've, we've sort of covered that. But when you're looking at in a long-term relationship, what what stops someone wanting to invest? What stops someone caring, stops someone being present? Doesn't suit them anymore. Can be. So, and, so, and so, some people don't have this skill. Maybe, I mean, I, I, some people don't even know how to how to do it. I know it sounds a bit silly, but uh, they don't know how to listen. Their mind is perhaps too busy. I've come across people like that who cannot con cannot concentrate on what's being said to them. I don't know whether it's some sort of a condition or what. But. Well, increasingly, um, we're in a, a more attention deficit world um, because everything's so quick. Because, um, like even films, I think, have sped up the amount of action uh, in the sequence of how quickly like things have to happen. Um, like I can remember um, when you'd rent a film from Blockbusters and you'd sit and you'd put the film in and it would play and you'd watch it. Now I watch five or 10 minutes of, of something on Netflix and uh, like, uh, I can't be bothered with that. Let's go on to the next one. Um, so I think, it, I think generally we have less um, of an attention span. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that's a, a, a contributing factor. But isn't part of the attention span having to do with wanting um, constant titillation as well? We're looking for the next fix, the next high, the next bit of fun, the next... Yeah, yeah, I think we so. Um, what it is like to be bored. Mm. Mm, that's actually very true, Sandra. It's the, what we do chasing. It's the dopamine, because yeah. even even my generation or the new generation, how they grow up, internet, phone, TV, PC, laptop, whatever, everywhere, everywhere, something what creating in front of their eyes is the picture. So they don't need to use their creative side of the brain. They're only using their logic side of the brain. So in the end of the day, what's happening, we're just chasing dopamine. We all the time chasing dopamines, dopamines. And what's happening after when you go two minutes and so many people, they can't even keep in silent. They can't sit two minutes with themselves because of the distractions. Who remembers what it's like to lie on the grass and look up in the sky and see the shapes of the clouds? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I can do three hours uh, every three months, you know, uh, meditations. You know how difficult it was whoa, to reach that. <laughs> but as the kids, how many times we do? They don't and know it, that. It's also, um, I remember... Um, I'm going to sound I'm going to sound like I'm playing the violin, but I remember not really having any toys, and I remember being excited that I got a toy, 
and I was about six or seven. And obviously, like, I didn't have this deprived childhood. I did get toys and things, but <clears throat> I didn't really have, you know, whereas now almost every child has got, like, an Xbox or an iPad or, or, or they've got something, like, I mean, I think I was, I don't know, 10 or 11, I got um, was it a Spectrum or uh, Atari or something like that. Um, and that was huge. Whereas now most children grow up with them. Um, and so there's something in um, like the excitement of, of getting it's, they need more and more um, in order to have that excitement because it, there becomes more and more expectation. Yeah. It's the dopamine in the brain, you know, it's that chemical, mm. what giving, you know, it's like the adrenaline when you find danger and you know what kind of, feeling give you you chasing after again and again and again and again maybe you don't feel good enough well are we so talking you about, always want something more we're we talking about addiction now aren't we we all having addictions we all <laughs> yeah but i mean having addiction to cakes and chocolates doesn't count <laughs> apple crumble, no? <laughs> or apple crumble. <laughs> when it works in your favour. <laughs> that we're looking at our relationships to provide this stimulus, and when it doesn't, the stimulation, and when it doesn't, we become dissatisfied. Is that what's happening now? Um, yeah, I, I think there is... Uh, there's there's never been as much expectation um, because there's never been as many Hollywood films, so, you know, Netflix and things like that, all of those things, Facebook. Um, so I think there's always more. Like, it, I always remember, if you think about loneliness, like off the top of your head, which age group would you think could be the most lonely? Elderly people, the oldest ones. I would say that, but actually I think it's younger people now, isn't it? It's younger generation. It's younger now, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Well, I think St it's kind of across the board, really. Well, statistically, well, back when I, I remember um, reading this, which was probably about 20 years ago, but it was teenagers. Yeah because the ex elderly people had the expectation that they weren't, you know, like, uh, they didn't think other young, uh, other elderly people were at clubbing, right? So mm -hmm. they felt that they were, whereas young people felt that everyone was having a good time and they were like the ones left out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's like a, a parallel with what it's the expectation. Oh, like, I have to say so I was going to say with um, internet of things nowadays, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I mean, they seem to be online all the time, chatting to someone or other. Although arguably, are they meaningful relationships or just very superficial? That would be the point. So if you're talking about loneliness, and which comes back to what you were saying earlier on about people being addicted, there is a lot of emphasis on superficial. I've got 50 likes or I've got 200 friends or whatever it is. But actually, they're just, they're not really friends, friends, you know, if you can have one proper friend, and I'm a proper friend, you're lucky. Um, 
uh, and it's it, it, there's no point in saying oh, I'm not lonely because there are 50 people. Well, you know, you go out into the street and there are hundreds of them. So what? So um, are you having a superficial connection or are you having a deeper connection? And that's perhaps is the point. And you're not going to have that deeper connection unless you are investing time and effort in that relationship. And it's not that you can't invest time in that relationship. Well, you, yes, I mean, you can only talk to so many people in a day, of course. Uh, but the thing is that I think even if you tried, you will probably find that out of 100 people you talk, maybe only one of them is the one person that you can have a deeper communication with. And the other 99, you can be acquaintances to a degree, but not necessarily very good friends. It's that investment in building friendships that I think has been downplayed. Yeah. And to my mind, um, when you, you know, from your very small, you, you have your best friend, you know, who of course is not, is only your best friend for maybe two weeks or, or a month, but nonetheless, that, that term, your best friend and we're the best of friends. And then you move on and you develop these various friendships throughout school that sets you up for, as you grow up, um, about what, friendships are and what you value in those friendships and what you have to do to maintain them. And I think a lot of that has been lost uh, in some respects in that you have, as you say, Errol, the, all of these, um, the numbers rather than the quality, the, you know, it's quality. I'll say one thing. I've got um, the same friends that I've known, like one of them I went to junior school with and then she came to my secondary school. So I've known her for like 40 years and I've got other friends I'm still in contact with, two best friends and friends from school as well. But the two best friends I heavily invested with, they lived with me, I lived with them, I helped them when they had dramas, they helped me over the years. And I've known them all that time, but I don't really like, the, I went and picked up my friend the other day and gave her a lift home from work. Um, and then I've, but I have to be very careful with these old friends. Not that I don't love them and we've made investments, but I'm at the point now where I can't really see them because of lifestyle choices and situations. Cause I know if I see them at the weekend, I know what that's going to turn into. And I have to say, oh, I can't really see these people anymore, even though I've invested 35 years into them. You know, there comes a point when if you've got to work out what you want for your life at that time, and if that connection's not helpful, then you're going to put it down or put it to one side. I mean, the way I look at it is it's, it's all... It's difficult to describe, I suppose, but it's almost like um, uh, so. So imagine you have a certain distance. You are here, and the depth of the connection. Um, so you know somebody at this depth, and you've known them at that depth for thirty years, and then you have somebody else who know them at this depth, and you know them for one month. You're going to have a more connected relationship with that person than the other one, even though that's been for thirty years at a shallow way than somebody who is much deeper for one month. I mean, to give you an example, I I made a friend uh, through 
a social club that I joined, dancing club. Um, and we have a very deep, I guess, connection. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of things. Uh, and it's interesting that I have a more deeper and meaningful conversation with that friend than I've had in 23 years of marriage. Well, what do you think the difference is then between the one you've known for 30 years or so and the one you might have known for a few months? So, and I don't just mean you, Errol, I mean in people in general. When you've known someone since school or, or a long-term relationship like your wife or husband, how is it you can have a deeper connection with someone over a few hours, weeks, months? What's the missing link? just giving everybody else a chance to talk. I don't want to dominate you. I think I can kind of answer for this and not. I seen the situation or I had the situation where somebody who I just met in a month's time, like five, 10 people, they able to open and share so much stories about their families. And they even said after 10 minutes, I normally not open to the people that easily. But what one, one person actually told me, they are easier open to somebody who they can only see once or twice in their life because they know they can share that so they don't feel the person taking us the baggage and they know after they can't see anymore. So sometimes maybe that's the reason because they don't want to be vulnerable or share too much for one person. So they like to share somewhere else. Okay, I think that's a valid example. But really what I was alluding to yeah. is some people you have a resonance with and some people yeah. you don't. So if you're so, with someone like a long-term partner or a friend that you've known since school, but you haven't actually grown together, you've grown apart intellectually then they don't get you. Even though they've known you for 30 years, they don't actually get you. Then you meet someone else who you've perhaps just known a few months and that person actually gets you. So for me, it's not the amount of time you've known someone, but it's the, the amount of resonance you have where you can actually connect on an intellectual level and feel known, heard and understood. Yeah. So for me, uh, it wasn't that I spoke to somebody that uh, I can appreciate that example that uh, Janice is giving, but uh, that's not really a connection. That's kind of offloading something off your chest, in my opinion. I think. Carol, um, you, sorry, sorry. I was going to ask you: Do you think she is it because she listens to you? That's exactly I right. Listen to her. Absolutely, and and she listens. And it's not that she agrees with everything I said, because sometimes she'll openly tell me, "I think you're wrong," you know, and and she'll tell me why she thinks I'm wrong. The point is that she listens, and she's always on my side even when she tells me she she thinks i'm wrong it's with compassion it's that she she doesn't want me to make mistakes she's looking out for me she may be totally wrong in her thing but it doesn't really matter point is she'll tell me what she thinks quite openly but she's always on my side and and that's the difference i have a friend uh, and, like that yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm the same with her and she's got lots of issues and problems um, and, you know, we discuss things and sometimes she just wants to offload, fine, I got used to that, I just let her just say and just babble on and that's what she needs. And sometimes she actually is stuck and can't see the way through and I will suggest things 
to just get her reflecting and all that. But the point is that there is that connection because there is some shared values. You know, we got similar problems. We're trying to help each other, and there's a genuine intent. And when she says something, I'm not superficially thinking anything. I am present, and she knows that. Um, and and so because that's also been the case for a very long time. And when she really, really needed somebody, I mean, she was emotionally extremely weighed down. I was there. You know, I, I, I made the time to go and sit with her, go through things, just spend the time. I didn't say, oh, hang on, it's getting late and I got to go. And, and, and so that made huge deposits into the emotional bank account. And because that then it stayed over time, and that, and I think what Rob was saying, because it happened time and again, it builds up a pattern. And that emotional bank account gets more and more into it. And then that person, and if there is a time now that I honestly can't make it, it she understands. Because um, I'm not the person that kind of turns her down every opportunity. I will, you know, I, I will be there if I can be there. But, you know, she, she'll never expect me, for example, to put her in, you know, before my kids. That's understandable, just as I wouldn't expect her to do it for me. You know. uh, so, yeah, it's, it's repeated uh, uh, behavior, but being present every time and having an absolute interest in what person is telling you. Not just that they're super, you know, not just understanding what they say, but trying to feel what they feel, trying to understand how they feel, and you know, describe it back to them if you can. That then tells them that you understand everything about what they're telling you, and that in itself makes a huge deposit. But there's also um, there's obviously a, a, a high level of trust. In that, yes. what you say is actually what you mean. Yeah, but and that you, um, if I need you, I can call on you, and yes. you will support me. Um, and, and, and vice versa, I will be there for you. Yeah. Well, so it's mutual, yeah. um, and that, I think that's probably part of the issue. Where can you find? a mutual situation wherein the comfort that you give to somebody is also the comfort that you receive. It may not be identical, but it is similar, the expectations. Uh, well, I, I really like the, the phrase deposit into the emotional bank account that uh, Errol just used there. And I think it relates to, Rob, what you were saying a few minutes ago about a pattern of behaviour, because I think that when we can see a pattern of behaviour like that, that's when we feel supported. But you're asking the question what would make a person not uh, not invest or but what is the answer to that then i think um that really how we operate is on stories so we operate we make up our reality through stories and what this person means to us and i think what we're really talking about when you get to the core of someone being present, someone building positive emotional bank accounts, someone investing, someone, all of these things, 
what it really amounts to is in our story, they become valuable to us. And when someone doesn't invest is because they don't see us as being valuable to them. As in maybe there's something that they're looking to do. So like maybe like let's talk about a dating relationship. Someone's dating and, and they're interested in someone um, and they're going to like, they're all going to be there on the first date and they're going to be fully present and all of this. Um, but two weeks later, their story, now I don't see any future with this person. Oh, it's too much hassle. Oh, no, it's too much. Um, and so they they withdraw um, and they give less and less and, and it's like, or even ghost someone it's because they don't see that they're value to it. Um, I think and, that's a really powerful word, valuable. Mm, um, you, you, I know. Some people are reliability. You could date somebody that you think is going to be really good for you and then you find out that they're a liability and you can't take a chance on them. But you or know the other not- side of that, that, that perception of valuable is sometimes when somebody's treating you in a specific way, if you don't see or feel them investing their time, effort or energy, the message that you receive is you are not valuable to them, and then you withdraw. Yes. Um, and also the message that people take is someone doesn't want to be married to me, someone doesn't want to date me, I'm not valuable. Whereas value is not inherent, it's not fixed, it's it's um it's um i can't even think what's the word it's specific it's context specific to a certain context a doctor is valuable when someone's life is in danger when when the um you know like when the leak is flooding the house the doctor's not valuable but the plumber's valuable in the same way you're valuable in someone's story and because someone's story changes and that you're no longer, it doesn't mean that you're not valuable. It just no. means you're not valuable in their story. And their story is not less serious truth. The story is how they yeah, see it. That's the worst thing, isn't it, about rejecting somebody? Is how they're going to take it. Hmm. And are they going to be left feeling that way? That's, that's the horrible part about, you know, dumping someone. But when you say the value is in context, what you're saying is just because they've rejected you doesn't mean you're not valuable per se. You're just not valuable to them in the context of that relationship. Yeah. yeah. People people have terrible childhoods and they grow up feeling that they are worthless because their parents treated them badly. It was nothing to do with them. It wasn't their value. It was just their parents. Yeah. Um, but in all of these ways we equate our value with how other people treat us and how other people treat us is to do with the stories in their head. Yeah, but ultimately, if somebody's not treating you as if you're valuable, then obviously you have to respect yourself and withdraw from that relationship if yeah. they don't change. Yeah, but you don't have to take with you and make yeah. your their story your your story. Um, yeah. That's that's like the, the basis of Think Free Rebellion is, is think for yourself. You, do, you don't... Because otherwise, you're living your life by someone else's story. Our value doesn't belong to someone else, does it? It's ours. You should take it more like a feedback as the lesson rather than as the critics or kind of these things. We should all the time think 
they actually want to teach us the lesson. And if you take it as the lesson, they actually much easier. Okay, that's what I learned from it. And actually, maybe the other person will like it the way how calm you can react on it. And maybe over the time, you keep friends together, but not as the relation together. It can happen. I think the other the other side of that is is that sometimes not everyone is as valuable to you as I don't mean that people aren't valuable, but there's a time like um, Sarah said she was friends with someone thirty five years, but there's we're still a, friends. But yeah, I, yeah, we're still you, friends. She's still there, but I couldn't hang out with her because I know she'll want to come round here and get kissed and get lost and yeah. Like that's just I've learned now that that's not really, you know, even yeah. though I've got history with her, it's not that I don't value her. It's I value myself and I don't want to be around that. Hmm. It's yeah, it, and it, and that's what I'm saying is is that there are people, there are like I'm not saying that you should you should discard people because they're not valuable, but you only have so much time, energy and effort to spend with people. So you have to spend where is the, is the most, um, it's not like where you're going to get the most, but it's where the, where the, like if you, if you're going to spend the time with people that are going to lead you to a life, you know, where, where you're not being your, yourself, I think we have to we have to recognise we have our own path, and it's not that people aren't valuable, but well, it's you're, that saying that you're saying some people aren't necessarily not valuable to us, but I think that is the case because I think if you're going to invest your time and your energy and whatever else, you have to be getting a return yeah. for that investment. So if you don't consider the return that you're going to get that matches your actual life values, then that person isn't valuable to you. So hence you don't want to see them. You're not going to invest your time in them. Yeah. What I mean is they're not 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 valuable as people, but they're not no, valuable, they're to, not you valuable in, to you in terms yeah. of your path and, and where you're going. Because we can only have so many conversations. We can we can chase connection because we've got friends and we can stay stuck in our life path or wherever we want to go in life and not go there because of these where these friendships but i think we have to be able to let relationships go um, but, isn't it all, but rob isn't it also that you should recognize what it is that a person contributes to your sense of well-being different friendships give different things yeah and on that basis you can have several friendships um wherein you you have you get you get different things from those friendships i think it's that issue of as you say there are just so many conversations that you can ha have that you need to know what it is that you um what's the extent of the number of or types of relationships that you can maintain and maintain your your integrity your sense of self and um uh, you know and gain whatever nurturing you need from all of these relationships i think some people um try to maintain and have too many relationships and therefore lose the quality and tend to um become exhausted by it all 
And as a result of that, perfectly good relationships or friendships suffer in that, in, you know, and you may find that people decide that, well, this is not worth my while to hang around you anyway, because you have no time, you don't invest the effort and you are not gaining anything from you. So there might come a time when you are no longer in control. It's those people that <laughs> um, you are trying to um, hang on to all of them who decide it's not worth it. You are not giving them what they want, so they leave you anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's it's not like you're you're like this person's no no longer any use to me. It's it's the the thing of like, can I be myself with this person? And if you like, if you if you want to evolve yourself and you you've decided like this, where how I am, it's not working. I need to be, you know, I want to be more whatever I want to give up alcohol I want to um, improve myself or any of these things and your connection with these friends is in this context that's going to you know like like an addict has to change all their friends because otherwise they keep going out to the context that that the addiction is in so it's in in that kind of context and it's realizing that um, sometimes if you stay in that relationship um, and it's holding you back, you're going to get frustrated. Um, and so the, the friendship's going to go anyway, any relationship, whether it's friendship, romantic, whatever. Um, there has to be life for both parties. And so, yeah, so, so the, the criteria is really, can I be myself? Is this person enabling me to be myself? But when they're control, you like some people sometimes people like you to be how you used to be because that's how they're comfortable with or or any of those things and i think like errol was saying about the the like 500 facebook friends and things like that we have human limits and it's like um, nicole said in in the chat about it's, it is quality over quantity that you know like dunbar's numbers like we can only know 150 people like properly um and then there's like five people we can know really close there's 15 people we can know a little bit more extended um i think they're genetic like hard numbers that we can only care so much i think the reason people the reason is there's more violence in more um populated areas is because like our space becomes threatened and it changes who we are and we can't be friendly on the tube because where do you we don't have enough um cognitive or emotional ability to, we can't care about everyone so it's really getting clarity over who can give us the connection that we want who can we give the connection that we because we're not saints we can't be saintly to everyone i think the the you know, like there's lots of people like Dalai Lama and, and or, or people put those kind of people on a pedestal. But what they've done is they've created the context where they don't have families and children and they don't have the stress of work. So they, they're in this place where they're able to have that thing. And often, you know, like a, a monk that doesn't have a, a family then they they don't have a family so that they can devote themselves to like their followers or 
disciples or students or whatever you call. So I think it's understanding, I think when we come from a Christian orientation, that we think there's good and bad and we should be saintly and is recognizing what we can be. On that happy note, I'm going to bow out. Uh, have a good evening. Thank you very much. You too, Iroh. Uh, Thanks for the apple crumble. <laughs> next week I'll make some. <laughs> You're going to sit there next week with her. Yeah, absolutely. I we'll have a big background. I don't know. A big background <laughs> picture of it. That's not going to help us at all, you know. We can't eat it through. Well, I, I think it's only fair given your background. You've got some beautiful picture every week. That's not fair. I'm trying to keep everybody, make everybody feel happy and welcome, you know. <laughs> giving yeah, that but I'm looking at them thinking I want to be there and I can't. Well, I, can't, let, I can't. Let me find mine before you go, Errol. Oh, yeah. There <laughs> oh, we go. I was jealous, so I uh, <laughs> I got my bit of Jamaica. <laughs> oh, oh yes, of course. Uh, we can all dream. Yes, oh, yes. one day. <laughs> one day when we can fly again. Yeah. Yes, we will. With, with, with our vaccine passports. You can go to Barbados and work, you know, remote. You can stay there for a year, you know. Mm. Just can't fly there. <laughs> no, you can. You can. You just have to go into quarantine for... Is it On the beach? Or 10 days, something. Yeah, um, I was going to say that doesn't, that doesn't sound too difficult in a place like that, does it? Being in quarantine? Oh, have I got to stay on this beach for 10 days? <laughs> just <laughs> laying in my hammock, sipping on my own. It's sun. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh. Paradise. Never mind. Okay, well. Eating apple crumble on a beach in Barbados, swinging on a hammock with a coconut. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the closest I've got to that is, uh, I don't know. Okay, since we are trading pictures, I'll find one from my, <laughs> from my holiday. And then I have to go. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Sarah. Bye. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for, for being here and for connecting and conversing with such openness. And we, we I think we, we have to close off quickly before Iroh finds his picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, you close off this one. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, everyone. Okay, so next week we've got the last, um, the last key, the third key. So we've got connection, communication, and next week's the next one. Uh, are you going to find your picture, Harold? Oh, next? you want to? Okay, sorry, I didn't realise you. What's the next one? Uh, the, the, um, what's the third key? So I'm going to leave it for you to guess. Oh, God. So we've got connection. Connection. The goal is connection. Okay. The mechanism is conversation. What's the barrier? So that's for next week. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I have it written down somewhere. I will find it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
Okay. Have a good week, everybody. Uh, you too. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.